know what you need You want your little baby socks For your little baby feet Baby I know what you get You want to put on something Will baby be What's up, princesses and human boys, and welcome to Flooping the Pig, episode two, titled Commence the Jiggling. I'm Brad Garoon, and with me, as always, is Simon Petrikov, better known as Justin Houston and Lumpy Kevin Ford. We're going to try to keep things tight and to the point this week. This last week went way long, and as much as our adventure-addled brains can allow, we're going to jump right in with thoughts on four more episodes of season one of Adventure Time. So, Justin, what did you think of the much-beloved Enchiridion? What's well, it's beloved for a reason. Um, it's uh, I sort of the quintessential, like, first uh, Adventure Time episode. And I think it's the first time that they legitimately do, like, the fist pound and the Adventure Time comes and spins into the shot. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's super funny throughout it. Like, watching it again, I remember it being... Um, being a, a good episode, but I don't, I don't remember it being as funny as it was like laugh out loud, funny. Um, and there were lots of moments in there that I, I just, I laughed really hard specifically everything to do with the character keeper, which is just a tiny squishy man with a key on his head, uh, getting jammed into a lock and lamenting that the reason that people solve the puzzle usually is because he just gets jammed in the lock after a while. Uh, so yeah, I, I really love this episode and obviously dealing with a, a book that would become very important later on in the, in the show. So that answers my question. I was going to ask how important is the Enchiridion later on? Oh, it is like the most important. It's, it's probably the thing that strings the first four seasons together the most, as much as anything might do that. If this were a different show like Lost or Doctor Who or some other third show that I might watch binge watching, this would be the thing that is spoken about in almost every episode. But as it's adventure time, it just comes up every now and again. And then um, don't want to spoil too much, but becomes a very big deal in the season four finale. And I'm with you, Justin. I, I, I love the heck out of this show episode rather and show keeper was great. Finn's explanation as to how he got it. Uh, knew that Keeper was the key was fantastic. My name is Keeper, and do be so, for I carry the key to this door. But all is not how it appears, you see, or perhaps you don't see it all. <laughs> the key is in you, child, but you cannot use your brawn here. The door is magically sealed. Oh, you've unlocked the riddle in the door. Ha-ha, <laughs> brilliantly done, child. <laughs> Please, reveal to me how you unraveled my clue. I just thought you'd like cute stuff in that lock. Oh, yes. That's how most people get in. There was an interesting bit with the little old ladies who kept getting destroyed by the gnomes that Finn saved from the fire. Because I remember when I watched it the first time, I thought, wow, this show's dark. They're, they're killing old ladies. Um, you find out later that those old ladies are, are projections. Or they're old ladies who have the ability to be destroyed and then be undestroyed because one of them pops in and out of the scene at the end of the episode. But... I remember just thinking, like, holy crap, they actually kill people in this episode. And then, like I said, that didn't happen. But we'll talk later in the in this episode about about a time when someone dies and actually stays dead, which I thought was incredibly disturbing. Yeah, I really liked it. It's as far as like a, a rich, fulfilling, fun story that it feels like the, the episodes or not the episode, but rather the entire show as a whole is going somewhere. It was really fulfilling. Uh, there was some great one liners like uh 
Jake uh, when he escaped from the uh, the giant stomach and just goes, <laughs> stomachs are weird. Oh, Justin, I wanted to ask you, when the giant puke, did that make you uncomfortable? Because you said last week that vomit really bothers you. No, because it was like a like a humanoid type deal. My I guess my problem comes from indifference to general vomiting. If they're just like walking towards you and just secreting something uh, and that's just a part of their life and existence, then that bothers me. If it's just someone vomiting, uh, having been around, you know, like kids and animals, that doesn't bother me. But if it's just like a casual bodily function, then that that's what like freaks me out and gets me, um, which <laughs> we'll deal with in a little bit with so, the next episode. I assume that you guys are both pretty big Simpsons fans. Oh, um, hell yeah. So more like when Bart, I think it was a Halloween episode, Bart or Lisa or someone brings a frog to life, but he he does it wrong and the frog is an abomination and they yes. can do nothing but vomit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that yeah. bothers me too. I don't like that at all. Yeah, it's just it, like uh, that's another that's another good <laughs> freak out moment when it's an indicator of great illness and it's uncontrollable like that. Ugh. Don't even like thinking about right. it. Right. Or the idea that a thing exists but hates its own existence from the, from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so creepy. It's dark. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, you, by, by the way, did you know that uh, Mark Hamill did the voice of the Dark Wizard in the episode? Oh, I didn't know that. Wait, the Dark – what? Which? Oh, at the end? Yeah, when he's like, uh, you're going to have to kill this, like, giant thing. And then he's like, cool, no problem. And he says, kill this ant. But the ant's not evil, so Finn doesn't want to kill it. Right, this neutral ant. This unaligned ant. Slay this ant! Is it evil? No! But it's not good either. It's neutral. Will you slay it? No! If you want the heroes and Kyridian, then slay this unaligned ant! That's a funny... That's kind of the funniest part of, I think, this episode, and it's that whole ghost that... Back to adult sensibilities with a kind of a child's payoff sometimes uh, or the other way around in that uh, he spends these episodes having to fight like, you know, qualities in a, in a hero himself, you know, having to deal with uh, having to deal with loss because he thinks he's a Leonard and having to deal with his own place um, in in being the one that's causing their deaths, having to understand that he plays a role. He's not just um, like a bystander that comes into these situations. He's a part of the ecosystem uh, of being a good guy and being a bad guy. Uh, he, you know, he's the, do, by doing stuff and by just talking, he was the one that got them all killed. And then you have the, uh, you know, the neutrally aligned ant and that heart beast thing that he had to fight and he had to make a, you know, an, an ethical choice about who to kill and who to finish off and who not to. And the payoff is that he opens up this, amazing book of immense power to how to kiss a princess what's really interesting about it too i think is uh at the beginning you know bubblegum says she's gonna show him the way to this labyrinth where he can get the, this book of magic the Enchiridion, and he's like yes i am so into this and then later on and he treats it like a game and then later on you find out you know it's not really a game at all there are consequences to his actions yeah exactly i mean that's 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 exactly it oh you want to know uh, you want to know another fun fact yeah duh so the guy who voices Manish Man, the manly Minotaur, is the same guy who voices Hand Banana on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. 
I really hate Han Banana. Han Banana is what? my least. Yeah, I hate him. I, it's my least favorite character. If it's the character I'm thinking of, it's the rapey banana, right? Yeah, and like the banana I dog hate thing. It. Hate it. Really bothers me. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, that. I don't like. I don't like rape being taken that lightly, even <laughs> if it's Carl who's getting raped. And I was like, I just, I remember watching that and being really, really, really upset. Oh no. Yeah. Sorry. I guess not your fault. Yeah. The other element is that you could sort of say that um, a lot of things that deal later on in the series is about the way the princess manipulates people. So the idea that she sent him to go get this book of immense power. And uh, in the end, she wants to know, like the first thing they open up to is how to get a princess. And like, she digitally shows up and wants to know exactly like, uh, you know, wants to know what's in the chapter. And uh, Manish Man says, don't like, says, like, don't tell her. Um, that was another part that kind of made me laugh and made me wonder, did she send him there to, like, get this information for her or for him? I don't know if the show is really there yet because I feel like we're still at the point where things are being forgotten right after they happen. Uh, I mean, the Enchiridion itself stays for a long time, but Manish Man, for, what, for, example, for an instance, is never shown again. And right. the Keeper, I don't believe, is either, but his cousin or brother or something does come in later in a very important and very famous episode. Right. Oh, I cannot wait till we get to that episode. It's so controversial. Does he also uh, wear uh, weird devil pajamas? No, he doesn't. He's much bigger, so he wouldn't be he wouldn't be adorable wearing devil pajamas anyway. I was um, just getting ready for bed. Uh, I will say one thing before we move on to the next episode, and that's I thought the animation went and split screen when Finn ran to rescue the princess when she was falling off of the tower it was really kind of genius and was the first time I thought, wow, these animators are really, really talented. Yeah, that's that's sort of what you get when uh, that's a lot of the cool stuff that you get in the series, some of the um amazing artwork and the fact that it gels so well with writing is because the people that draw it and storyboard it are the ones that write the episodes. Yeah. So they can visualize an idea and they can just execute it. They don't have to explain it to somebody else. There's nothing lost in translation. They can just do it. And yeah, that's one of those early examples of something just amazingly cool. Why don't you guys talk about the jiggler and some unintentional secretion. Yes, indeed. Obviously, I've already mentioned this a few times. It's something that creeps me out. Uh, Kevin, how did you feel about the jiggler? Eh, I didn't think it was all that interesting of an episode. I mean, all we really learned is that apparently Finn can sing an autotune because he swallowed a tiny computer ages ago. So they find this weird, like, I don't even know what to call it, like an animal or creature. Let's just call it a creature for the sake of argument. And he's dancing to, to Finn's voice, and they're like, hey, it would be really cool to keep him as a pet. And when you wake up in the morning, you have someone to dance with you. But as time goes on, he kind of begins to weaken, and they're kind of confused as to why. And then just – he's also, like, filled with just, like, holes. And all of a sudden, one day, he just starts, start, like, secreting pink stuff out of his holes. And they try to plug them up so he'll stop. But, of course, that doesn't work, and – he becomes really sick, and they try to figure out why. So they kind of come to the realization that we probably shouldn't keep him as a pet. We should try to take him to get help, uh, bring him back to where we found him. And as they discover that he lives in this weird pond of goo or ooze with his with his mother there, and when they first take it to the mother, the mother kind of lashes out at it because, well, we don't know this at first, and they think the mom's just evil and they did the right thing by saving it, so they want to fight it. But then they realize that the mother just doesn't recognize it because it doesn't, it's not as healthy or whatever it once was. So they have to put what they call the jiggler back into its nest. And then the mother is the love and stuff, and everyone looks happily ever after. But 
like it was just kind of a, a placeholder episode with really weird secreting characters, and all it did was remind me of Jiggle Billy from Aquasines. So I don't agree that it was just a placeholder episode in any in any kind of sense that any episode around now is not just a placeholder episode. Because this song, like you said, Finn has an auto-tune voice, and his auto-tune voice leads to an awesome song about babies. Baby. Doing things that babies do and how Finn likes things that babies do. Which I don't know. That's kind of weird, actually. Yeah, that is weird. What are you talking about? I don't know. You know, baby socks. And Jake loves it. And then the jiggler whistles it. The jiggler, it wasn't just that uh, he wasn't healthy that the mother rejected him. It was that he didn't smell like the mother's juices. My apologies. The resolution was sort of um, didn't really mean anything in the, the grand scheme of things. It wasn't like it, it brought something. I guess it kind of brought something back from the last episode because Jake could smell the Enchiridion. Talk about something else that's never been brought up again. He, you know, he could smell the Enchiridion on top of the tower and he knew exactly where it was and in what room. Here again, he could smell the, you know, that it didn't smell like everything else and he put two and two together. Um, this was the first episode I got to see. Oh wow! So it um, and I saw it in its original run, and uh, which again I didn't know that it wasn't until later I looked online and realized uh, that that's that was the case. I took it as on later watches I took it as kind of a play on because everything in the in in the show feels kind of there's elements of a video game and uh, kind of commenting on the way we just take certain things in video games at face value. And I feel like this was twofold. This was first how, uh, was about poor pet management and about how something can seem very simple and end up completely and utterly unable to control. So you're talking <clears throat> about your Tamagotchi dying. Yes. Uh, that's <laughs> specifically, this brought back memories of going, I'm going to feed you every day. And on day three, <laughs> It's wedged between my dresser and some trophy that I won. Um, but what it was really about to me when I watched it a second time, like sat down and actually uh, concentrated on it, was the way in video games how we just sort of arbitrarily like meet cute characters or we'll be like, hey, you can have pets now. This is, uh, you know, a, a Barbarous. Take this Barbarous. And you like, or like Pokemon. And you just like snatch. And you just go about your business, assuming that you can totally control and handle whatever comes your way in this creature you just learned existed. Um, and that's kind of what happens here. They meet this creature that just whistles with them, and they think, oh, he's a part of our life now. And they just, they no questions, no looking around for anything. They take him into their house, and after a single day, he's basically left for dead. Um, <clears throat> and I got to say, the title card... Is really grim. It's Finn's hand, like lying in a, in a puddle of pink goo. Very suggestive of the show, which again, I, I have to say, um, was pretty horrifying for me because it's just, especially Finn's reaction when they jam all the eye, like the glass eyeballs and the, uh, eye, the eye patches to him, and it just explodes, and he's just shaking, looking horrified. There's nothing funny there. 
There's nothing comedic about his reaction, you know? He's no, not saying like a catchphrase. He is in truly panicking about how to save this creature. Two questions, although I forgot the first one. So the second one is, Justin, did you watch um, the new episode this week? Yes, I did. So we're obviously not going to get into too great a detail about it, but I have to say that the final stretch of season five began with an episode that is not for children at all. I watched that and I was like, how is a kid, how, if I'm a parent watching this with my kid, how do I explain all of the blatant sex that's going on here? Yeah, that's one of those that, because um, Danik is five, so it's like just before she look up and go, what are they doing? Or what does that mean? Like right. it's really still just colorful characters doing stuff. And she knows better like when they start like like really full on like tonguing each other. She just – she looks away in horror. Um, so that's – I'm there still was some, like – like really hardcore tongue action in yeah, this episode. Yeah, yeah. A few times where Amy and I looked at each other like, oh, okay. We're there. Yeah. Really not okay. I mean I don't know if they think they can get away with it because it's, um, you know, like uh, an elephant and a pig. But that makes it – just as weird as it would be either way. Oh my god, an elephant and a pig with Chef well, there? The, oh, elephant, the elephant and the pig, that's a running thing for a long time, but this time there was also an even older elephant and a walrus. But let's not get too deep into that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep things rolling, because as much as we just talked about making out, there was a character who was also trying to get makey outy in Ricardio the Heart Guy. Now, Kevin, your uh, call that Mark Hamill was the voice of the demon kind of spoiled this whole point I was going to make where George Takei is the first real voice guest playing Ricardo the Heart Guy. But I guess that that wasn't accurate at all, was it? Guess it wasn't. Well, no, Hamill, it Hamill does a lot of voice work, though. Yeah. And Ricardo was a much more bigger character than the Dark Wizard was in that episode. That's true. Uh, Hamill's the Joker, isn't he? He is in Batman Animated Series. Right. Well, anyway, Ricardo... Isn't sorry, I, I had to shout out a little bit. Ricardio is an evil heart that comes out of the Ice King's chest because the Ice King is so in love with Princess Bubblegum that he makes a potion that tries he tries to make a love potion, but in the end, all it does is it brings his own heart to life, and his own, own heart wants to steal the heart of Princess Bubblegum and make out with it. Meanwhile, Ricardio, being a heart, is very charming and convinces Princess Bubblegum that through his knowledge of Xanoids and Plantoids and their uh, millennia-long war. He is sciency enough to be a good match for her. Whereas, and Jake is also taken by Ricardio's charm, and Lumpy Spain's princess is taken by Ricardio's fart-inducing massage technique. Stand back, everyone. This style of massage is called best friend massage. Oh my gosh! Because it can only be done for friends. It is completely consensual. Oh, holy cow! <laughs> but Finn does not buy it, and the episode revolves around Finn trying to sniff out Ricardio's evilness. Kev, do you like this one better than the last one? Yeah, a little bit. I thought George Takei did a great job bringing Ricardio to life. His face is really creepy. Yeah. It, it was odd. And you're at him just stomping farts out of LSP, I guess. Mm -hmm. It was odd. But yeah, I thought I thought the story was a really good one-episode story. You got to see well, how. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count too much on it being just a one-episode story. Well, for now, it's a one-episode mm. story. Uh, you got to, I guess, kind of see that Finn really does have a thing for Princess Bubblegum because he gets super jealous about Ricardio. So that, I think, is what prompted him to think that Ricardio was evil and really try to go and sniff him out and all that. So 
Yeah, progress. Good times. Houston. <clears throat> I don't like I don't like cardio at all. I think the I mean the episode's fine and it's it's you know it's pretty funny, but I he he I don't he's just too human like he's too expressive. His face reminds me of Powder Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy. Hmm. Um, it's just this very expressive like human face, and it creeps me out. And I I think it's um it kind of defeats the purpose of dealing with adult themes and kid shows when you give it like a very frighteningly adult face especially when uh he's saying things like uh this massage is called the best friend massage and it's totally consensual like (laughs) (laughs) well yeah actually they address that at one point ricardio says i you probably found me evil because my face is something yeah that he's it's so like uh and even uh jake comments on it at some point and says like are you saying do you think he's evil because his face is so expressive. It's like, no, well, yes, but there's more to it than that. Um, and then, you know, we learn again. And the ending is pretty horrific, too, because he just gets shoved slowly back into um, Ice King's chest, which is, again, everything about this episode is really horrifying. <laughs> and I don't, I don't find it particularly funny enough to warrant how freaky it is, but... There is a common thing that that starts in this episode that happens throughout the series that I love. And it's Finn grasping to understand like a complex moral dilemma, like a third party dilemma. In this case, this is the first one I've seen him handle the the plantoids and the xanoids. Um, The idea being that plantoids kill xanoids and xanoids kill plantoids. And he can't wrap his head around who's good and bad. That's right. Black and white. Right, exactly. And so he'll do this in, in certain episodes. He'll go, this is wrong. Wait, is it wrong? Like, he'll think to himself, like, there's an episode with a character later on called the Goliad, where... Oh, Goliad, that's such a weird episode. Yeah, the Goliad just looks at him and says something like, no, this is the way things are. And Finn goes, no, they're not. Wait, are they like that? Like, he stops <laughs> and has to, every once in a while, he'll do that. He'll say something very defiantly, and you'll see him in the background kind of pondering what something means. And it's, you know, it's not direct, like, character growth, but it's just fun to see him tackle seemingly impossible-to-answer questions. I think the plantoids and xanoids thing in this episode, though, was supposed to express how mystifying Finn finds women. Because <laughs> he, he, he he's just starting to under, realize that he really likes bubblegum and that... It's okay for a boy to like a girl and want a girl to kiss him, the way that Ice King kicks kiss Jake's butt. I forgot about that. That was. But on well, that was like the whole thing of the that was that book end of the episode. I know, but I forgot about it. <laughs> but then you know he he just wants to agree with Bubblegum and like the things she likes, even though he's they don't really have much in common. And so when he finds her hard to understand, because let's face it, she is impossible to understand because, in my own opinion, she's evil. Actually, there are clues now that make us and if you play the video games that make you realize that she's probably not evil but lost my train of thought of course oh yeah i think this is just more about finn uh going through a time in his life when he really likes girls but does not have any idea how to deal with them it it is probably more of like a um just because you know he's treated even up to this point as someone who's just too young for princess bubblegum and it's all sort of a fruitless endeavor uh so having to like just never being able to understand 
what they would be talking about and uh women in general i think that's a that's an apt comparison and i find as the season progresses the the jake princess bubblegum love thing sort of takes a back seat to other stuff like i don't feel like it's it brought up nearly as much as it does in these early episodes you mean the finn princess bubblegum love thing yeah what did i say jake yeah oh my apologies yeah finn well, princess bubblegum lady Rainicorn would be so mad yeah she would <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what I meant. I feel like that's not addressed enough. We don't see a ton of Princess Bubblegum going forward. Like you do it obviously, like in a few episodes, but like I don't know. Well, Finn is not quite old enough yet. Not yet. One thing I really like about the show is that Finn actually ages. That's rare for a cartoon. Yeah, but it's very cool. Speaking of things that are rare for a cartoon, but maybe not so much, Brian Posehn was the star of or the yes. guest star in the next episode called Business Time, in which Finn and Jake are melting ice caps. Find loot a lot of left foot baby feet shoes which are kind of referenced in the jiggler and uh and some businessmen i remember business we are businessmen justin you had a lot to say about this on the last episode so why don't you kick it off well this was the sort of the first episode that you get an idea that this is not just some arbitrary fantasy land but is in fact grounded in some kind of reality. And um, you can see it from the faces of the businessmen who, uh, you know, they get unfrozen and they they go to work for Finn and Jake. They have these sort of like pustules all over them and they seem almost like zombies really or they can't, maybe because of the freezing process, they haven't quite, um, they, they can't communicate as well anymore. But there's just lots of leftover junk from something. You don't know what. But it's just uh, from a time long, long ago that's uh, it's uh, it's all kind of frozen. And um, there again, this is the first example of like a broader world that's set in our own something we can relate to, something we can understand. There are bicycles and um, again, like, you know, baby shoes uh, that are frozen at this point and um I don't know if they decided this was a point where they could make it about something or if this was the first time they wanted to show it, but it's the first time we see it. Um, that's for sure that it's uh, that there's more to the land of Ooh than meets the eye. Um, what I found very upsetting about this episode, and I mentioned this earlier, was that okay? So the point, of, the whole point of the episode is Finn and Jake end up hiring the businessmen to help them be adventurers. The businessmen do all the small scale adventuring, so Finn and Jake can save up their energy for the big time adventures. But in the meantime, they eat, they play too many video games, and eat too much ice cream, and get fat. And then the businessmen go crazy. Uh, they pretty much pull a Skynet on Finn and Jake and decide that the best way to save people is by protecting them in their care sack made uh, in a giant robot. And they start scooping up all these little puffballs, uh, living puffballs. And when Finn sees this, gets upset and fires them, they fly into a rage and kill one of the puffballs by stepping on it. And you don't hear, I'm okay, and you don't see that little puffball later. It's dead. And that's, I think, the first in, the first real fatality on this show. So, yeah, it's, it's playing with, with real real stakes and it's kind of a good I don't, I don't know if it was intentional or not uh, probably not but it's kind of a cool commentary that in this very sort of light and fun world the first death that we're shown on screen is of something of our own time of our own Where what we of our own time 
where we obviously blew ourselves up. So uh, it's sort of a carryover from that. The first death we see, you know, one character killing another is perpetrated by, you know, someone from our violent past. Yeah, or maybe not, because they keep going back to this point that Finn is the only human left alive. So these businessmen might be from an interim time, like a time of well-dressed pickles. And not necessarily a time of human beings. It's true. I actually, again, because we have to be careful about spoilers, my thought was that those pustules and their green tone were from uh, light irradiation. From, Which would make what, them human. Right, right. What would make them, I mean, it would make them human, but it wouldn't make them um, just human, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. They were radiated and became like much in... Uh, the land of Vu uh, were changed into something different. So I really enjoyed this episode, especially knowing from you guys that this is important, that this is an episode to watch because it kind of kicks off where we're going to go for the rest of the, the season. Uh, I like Brian Prosane a lot, so it was cool to hear his voice. Uh, I actually did some research looking back into this, and what I found interesting is um, it looks like every Adventure Time episode has at least two people working on the story and the storyboard sometimes three, and then there's a very rare occasion where Pendleton Ward will just do it all himself. Mm-hmm. And the two people who did this are the same two who did the Jiggler, and I think there is an immense quality difference between those two episodes. <laughs> also, is this the debut of BMO in this episode? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up, because I was going to ask earlier, have we seen BMO yet? So I guess, yeah, it probably is. I feel like we have seen BMO, but not for a long period of time. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I I can't think of any, so yeah, it must be. He was introduced in business time. Yeah, this is BMO's first episode. Boom. There it is. <laughs> okay. The the thing I also love about this episode, so much, it had me laughing so fucking hard, was the end of the episode. Where Jake, so you talk about them getting really fat, and since Jake is a shapeshifter, he can just go back to his normal form. And Finn, who's also fat, is like, he tries to do it, and then he can't. And he just goes, oh, and then it zooms in on his sad face and says the end, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> it was very funny, especially the noise, like a da. Yeah. Like, like the womp womp. But speaking of Finn trying to shapeshift, did anyone else feel really weird when Finn was making, like, phallic shapes with his stomach and Jake was playing with them and then Finn was playing with them, and sometimes they didn't show what was going on down there and it just showed them, like, futzing around with Finn's lower body? I can't say I noticed. Or I was I was pretty fine with it, but when you use words like futzing, it's kind of hard to <laughs> and ignore. Phallic. Yeah, I was to say the word phallic didn't bother you. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I didn't see anything phallic, but futzing around, that's startling. Um, there was no futzing. It was innocent playing of fat. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe this episode of Business Time and the Flight of the Concord song have something more in common than we think. Finn does wear business socks. Are we sure they're business socks? No, I'm not sure of that at all. But what I am sure of is we should probably start wrapping things up. Look how good we did today. We we kept it mostly tight. Yeah. We're on it. Uh, I do want to I want to end this with something that um I want to end it with every time. Uh, in every episode, there is, and I want us to not cheat. I want to do this game, and I don't want us to cheat. In every episode, there is a snail sighting. There's this little character who's a snail who becomes more important later, but he's in every. He's the actually the only character who's in every single episode because up uh, just recently Finn and Jake were not in the second Fiona and Cake episode at all, but the snail was. So if you can spot the snail, I want you to say where you spotted him. I saw him in the Jiggler. He's in the mother's goop in the nest when they first show it. Did you guys spot the snail anywhere else in any of the other episodes? 
That's it. That's the only place I spotted him. Um, I, I honestly completely forgot about it, so I didn't even bother looking. But now that you said that, I'm going to be on the fucking hunt for that little guy. Right. I normally <laughs> don't notice, but I did happen to see him. I think it's like one of the more obvious ones in the Jiggler because he's on screen for a couple of seconds. Yeah, that one was pretty out uh, in, in broad daylight. The other ones, I don't. I never notice them unless someone's like tripping over them or throwing it at someone else. Right. Uh, Sometimes so, he actually even factors into the episode. Right, but yeah, mainly he's just like by a rock somewhere off screen. But just yes. like, yeah, he usually just like waves at the screen. Just like, hey, what's up? Yes, yeah, he waves one hundred percent of the time. But okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll totally I'll honor system. I'll do my best to find him. Same. Thank you. Yes, please do not look it up. There are there are spoilers online. Twitter time. Yeah, follow at K Ford thirteen on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter account. I tweet about things. I tweeted commence the jiggling with a picture of Jiggle Billy before we did this. So that's fun. And also, you're listening through this to the Pro Wrestling Ponderings Podcast Network. So follow at PW Ponderings on Twitter to see when episodes are posted. And if you like pro wrestling, there's a lot of cool stuff you'll like there, too. My name is Justin J. Houston, and that's also my Twitter. Go Brad. Follow me at Garoongate, uh, where I post mostly about nerdy things and sometimes my beard and often pictures of hamburgers or show up there um and from now on also this has been flooping the pig i flooped the pig mm-hmm.